Welcome everybody to another episode of the GW Show. I am your host Marcus Wisner, and with me, as always, is my co-host of the GW Show himself, Mr. Dan Gonzalez. What's up, man? How are you doing? What is going on, Marcus? It is uh, the GW Show. Dork. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. We're doing a pretty late recording ourselves for tonight. So, um, well, tonight on the. Uh, August 15th, so obviously this will be on the 16th, but um, yeah, man, um, hope you had a pretty good weekend, hope everybody else has listening had a pretty good weekend, um, today we've got a few different topics to talk about, um, obviously on the NFL side, we're doing our second, um, I guess you call region of the AFC, NFC, um, and we're also going to be talking about uh, Fernando Tatis, Junior with his uh, suspension, and obviously any more topics in between that we might be. I'm so, <laughs> I am so devastated by Fernando Tatis, and I guess we can just, you know, no pun intended, we can lead off with uh, Fernando Tatis Junior. Uh, as reported last week, Fernando Fernando Tatis Junior tested positive for a banned substance, received an 80 game suspension, so that effectively ended this season, and he'll be missing the first. 42 games of next season before he is eligible to return. Okay. Um, I don't know, Marcus, I'm, I'm devastated because this guy was actually one of my favorite players. Um, you know, young, brash, exciting, like really brought like some marketability to baseball. Like I've never seen a baseball player, more commercials and more ads on Facebook and Instagram than Fernando Tatis Jr. I even bought, like I'm holding it right now. I have a Fernando Tatis official Padres jersey that, you know, I'm kind of ashamed to wear now because, you know, at this at 23 years old, I believe he's 22 or 23 years old, this effectively tarnishes his entire career up until the day he retires. See, and that's where, I mean, I kind of disagree on that. It's simple for the fact of, um, you know, obviously everybody makes mistakes. Um you know, he had said that he had taken taken this to treat uh, a ringworm. Now, obviously, I'm not a medical professional. You're not a medical professional. Like, 98.5% of baseball fans in this world are not medical professionals. So, to say that it, w- that it was or wasn't used for it, we don't know. We, we just don't know. Um, is it possible that he could have used it? Sure. Is it possible that he couldn't have used it? I mean, if we're going to use, like, a banned substance, he might as well just go, he might as well just swing for the fence. You know what I mean? And it was, from what I had understood, it was one, I guess you call it an ingredient. Something popped, and it was on the banned substance list. As far as it being a tarn- tarnished to his legacy... I don't know. I think I think that this. I think depending on how the rest of his career goes, people will give it a pass. I mean, there were times. I mean, David Ortiz's name was on the the PED list back in the early two thousands. Nothing really happened to him, but he was obviously alleged for for taking uh, PEDs, and especially it was the HDH era. And he still got elected to the Hall of Fame. So we'll see. Yeah, but his but his was never. He never got a positive test and then suspended. Like, you know, his teammate, Manny Ramirez, positive test got suspended. I mean, 
you know, I, with, with Fernando Tatis Jr. And, you know, like Alex Rodriguez explained it perfectly on the Yankees broadcast last night. You know, he, he says, you know, he wishes that young players would learn from his stupidity and his debacle from the early 2000s when he was abusing uh, steroids and HGH. You know, he said he wished, you know, the younger guys would look not look up to him, but like look at that scenario on A-Rod statistically is one of the greatest players to ever play baseball. Now, we don't know more or less the timeline of when he was juicing or when he was not juicing, but even before he was allegedly juicing when he was with Texas, Mm -hmm. the guy was electric. The guy was one of the best players in baseball with the Seattle Mariners. And he, you know, at at that point, he signed the largest professional sports contract in baseball history when he signed with the Texas Rangers. And, you know, he said it perfectly. He admires and looks up to, like, the young guys like uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., you know, Ronald Acuna, you know, these young superstars that are coming up and he, you know, not saying Acuna is on drugs, but, you know, in this scenario, Tatis, you know, right. his dad, you know, Fernando Tatis Sr. posted a picture of the cream that his son was using to treat the ringworm. It looks like, you know, the, the ingredients do match from what he tested positive to what was in the cream. But to me, if I'm touching anything medically that was handed over the counter to me, I'm taking it to my team's medical staff and I'm going to have them look at it and be like, if I use this, am I going to be good if I get randomly selected for a drug test? And I think that's where his immaturity kind of played a role here where you got something from a drugstore, uh, a Walmart, ShopRite, what have you, you need to run those things by your medical staff. You have to tell your medical staff, your medical team, like, hey, I had this really nasty rash on my back, but, you know, I need you to review the ingredients of said drug to make sure that when I get, when I get, you know, called back up to the majors because he was in the minors rehabbing, that once I go for my drug test, I'm good. And I think, you know, honestly, I think Tatis really dropped the ball in this entire situation. So as we were as we were just obviously discussing your, your point of view on that, I was looking up what is uh, close to bull. I believe that's the pronunciation. If not, I didn't graduate with a degree in English, so apologize. <laughs> um, so basically, it is a um, it is a synthetic. Uh, it's a synthetic muscle building steroid that the body naturally produces in larger amounts in men than women. Um, but it mimics the muscle building properties of testosterone without the estrogen buildup that counteracts them. Um, it is something that is not FDA approved in the U S but it is listed as an approved substance, basically, uh, and products sold in Europe, Central, and South America. So, um, that's by, a problem. By reading that, it could have been something that, you know, I might. But I want to know how he got it because he was he was here, right? He was in the U.S. I mean, obviously, you know, when he broke his wrist and he destroyed his wrist, it was on a motorcycle accident. I think he was back 
in the Dominican Republic, but like, like dude, like you, like you have to, you have to know these things. You have to know these things. You have to know what you're putting into your body. You have to know what you know. I'm not saying you have to read off the ingredients list. Like that's why you have like doctors on your team because those doctors know what's in these things already without having to turn the box over and you know go through you know every single ingredient and every single word seems to have every single letter of the alphabet in it right <laughs> yeah and the thing like, is just from reading it to um just according to like i'm just looking at medical websites that are on here um although it I would, is, although the i would have much is, rather i would have much rather tati say I used the cream. I didn't know what was in it. Now I do. I'm sorry. Instead of just trying to find like excuse after excuse after excuse, like just say like, look, man, I took it. Like pull pull an Andy Pettit. Andy Pettit did it perfectly. Andy Pettit had a really bad elbow injury. It wasn't recovering. He used HGH. He it tested positive for it. He came out and said like, hey, I used it because my elbow wasn't healing. I needed something to get me back into baseball. Just come clean and say it. And Andy Pettit is a likable guy because he was able to stand up to the podium in front of the press and say, I did it. Here's why. I'm sorry. And no one talks about it anymore. He didn't do deny, deny, deny. The minute he found out, the minute they found out, he's like, yep. He's like, you got me. Yeah. No, no. I'm not, I'm not like trying to make excuses or anything for him. I'm just saying that like, I mean, like I said, he's young. Uh, probably didn't know any better. Like you said, he may have, he may have not went to the team doctor. He may have went to the team doctor. We don't know because that obviously did or didn't come out. Um, but obviously, just like again, reading from this, it says that the that that the um, the skin cream, although it doesn't provide like performance enhancements, it mimics uh, the muscle building of testosterone. So it mimics what would be considered as a PED. So that's why it gets popped as positive. But regardless of the fact of matter, at the end of the day, I don't think he's eligible to like basically appeal this. Or if he if if he is if it is eligible, he's not doing it. He's just gonna let it ride its course. Um, I believe he. It's sad. Two, he's not going to get paid for it as well. Uh, I believe I did yep. see that. And he's also, and he is also he also got removed. From the Dominican national team to play at the World Baseball Classic. Yep. So obviously, so it's just like one after the other, and then I think the worst thing that's going to happen is when he comes back next year. What's the locker room perception like? Because he's had a few teammates come out, and when they were asked, they were very disappointed in him. And I think Mike Clevenger said it perfectly. You know, kind of labeled it to you know Tatis is pretty immature. I think. Hope, uh, we'll see, hopefully, how it goes next season with him. Um, I, I feel that sometimes, in order for you to grow as an individual, sometimes you have to um, learn things the hard way. And I think that by him being suspended, not only from that, but also, too, sometimes you learn you learn things the hard way because, guess what? You're not getting paid. And if he doesn't, you know, he goes, look, if I don't straighten out, like, I'm not going to get paid. And this is going to continue. And this could be a good growing pain. 
and maybe, you know, I, I'm just obviously being optimistic because I feel like that Fernando Tatis is one of the greatest young talents in Major League Baseball. And again, I, I don't, while I think this is, a, this is a short-term tarnish to his overall reputation, I do have to say that if somehow, let's say the Padres won one to two World Series, which, I mean, with their roster, it, they are going to be in contention every year as long as his core is, con- is contained. Um, if they win one or two, then nobody will remember this, or, or nobody will care. And it's also, it, it also, Dan, it's not like, it's not like uh, Tatis was healthy, and then tested positive. You know what I mean? People, I think, might have a little bit more of a mindset judgment if they're like, okay, like this guy's like doing really well for being for this season, and then he pops positive, and they go. All right, that makes sense. And also in another limelight, um, you can't you can't really tarnish his legacy if players from the Astros organization still have not had anything punished them from that from their World Series run. Just my point. I mean, I mean they're, I mean they're tarnished. Or at least the the selected players that were found to be you know, guilty of this, those guys are verbally harassed to this day. And that, that scandal happened back in 2018, 2019. Like the top, the Tati stuff is not going to go away unless he comes out and holds himself accountable. The guys with the Houston Astros did not hold themselves accountable. They knew what they were doing was wrong. They ended up just finger pointing at AJ Hinch and especially Carlos Beltran. And they basically said, Nope, it was them. <laughs> it's like no, we parked. It's like it's like it's like Marcus. If you robbed the bank, but I just drove the car, right? I'm exactly. still guilty. Oh, I'm yeah. still guilty as an accessory, but like I'm gonna be like, nope, he did it, and I'm pointing the finger. No, people are still gonna look at me like a scumbag yeah. because I aided, I aided in your end goal, and the Astros' end goal was the inevitable. They won the World Series. If you yeah, if you're like, oh, we didn't do it. But your away average was 198, and your home average was 325. You were part. Yeah, of that's that. a problem. <laughs> and you don't play, and you and you don't play as a Colorado Rocky. No, something's up. If you're a Colorado Rocky and your home average is 571, but then you go on the road and you're batting like 127, we usually point it towards yeah, you know, in Colorado a pop fly is 470 feet into the third deck. <laughs> Exactly, it. I mean, it's just, it's kind of insane. Like I said, I, but, I, but we're we're like going to uh, oranges on this scenario. But I, I think that yeah. at least from my final point, I don't think this will tarnish his legacy. I think short term he's gonna he's he's gonna get he's gonna get some shit thrown at him. Basically, you know, in a sense, like people are going to give him shit for it next season. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna have to take one season where people are just gonna. You're going to have to deal with the fan base from it. But after that, man, you know, a lot of people have a very short-term memory when you're a great ball player. That's with every sport. If you're a great ball player, people, like, who cares? You know what I mean? That, that's just the yeah, way Yeah, like, there's a, there's a thing called a 72-hour rule where, you know, you may lead the headlines, but 72 hours later, someone else will lead the headlines, and they'll kind of just put yeah. you in the back burner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess my closing point for Tatis, for me, would be, him, he has to 
show up in the locker room. I'm not sure if he's allowed in the locker room. I'm almost positive he could probably still use like team facilities during a suspension. But like yeah, you need to gather you need to gather up your team and you know, sit them down and explain yourself, apologize, hold yourself accountable so that when you come back, the locker room has already embraced you. I wouldn't put it off till, you know, game 43 of next year when you're activated because that's going to be a very awkward locker room and that's going to cause problems for teams, the team on the field. Yeah. And with a loaded lineup, with a loaded lineup like that, they need to be clicking on all cylinders because this year, I think, you know, they made all these crazy acquisitions. It just all went to shit because they were banking on the return of Fernando Tatis Jr. I think the Padres, because if you look at some of the guys that they obviously traded from this this trade deadline, um, I think that they're not worried about this year. I think that they're going to – I think their run is next year. And that's a, maybe Yeah, because like I said, they have Juan Soto for the next three seasons, I think. Yeah, they do. And obviously they got you know obviously Fernando Tatis is there forever for a long time. Manny Machado is there forever. <laughs> I mean, but they've they've got a a pitching rotation that's that's great. Um, they've got Josh Bell next season too, I believe. Um, and on top of that, man, uh, they've they've got a a really nice core of players. But again, to, uh, to add to that, because of how well they are, because of their ability to make a deep postseason run, that's going to attract other players to want to play for them on either cheap contracts or just veteran guys that are looking for one last hurrah, essentially. Um, and so, I mean, expect them to – I would expect them to make some more moves come this uh, this off season. I think so. I mean, obviously, as you know, when the off season in baseball is pretty much a snooze fest, so I, I'm I, I'm kind of interested to see what happens with that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I think the only guy that is no, you know what? I lied. I think um, I think they have an arbitration year for Josh Shader, so Josh Shader will definitely be back next year too. So they'll have their closer locked in. I mean, I. I, I know they made a lot of these moves to kind of hold for the next, like, year or two. But, like, I said, man, you don't make all these moves to just, like, oh, you know what, we're just going to wait till next season. It's totally fine, you know. We're totally aware that cause it's just it, – it is very weird that Tatis was doing his rehab and all of a sudden it stopped. And we didn't know why it stopped. Like, something – like, they knew. They knew. They're like, yeah, um, his piss test just came back kind of dirty. <laughs> We're going to have to either re-administer another one. Maybe he had like a poppy seed bagel this morning and it triggered something. Right. Or, uh, cause that, 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 that personally happened to, that happened to me one time. Really? I had a poppy seed bagel. I had a poppy seed bagel and I got piss test for soccer. And like two hours later, it came back as a positive, uh, some positive tests. And I remember they put me in a room with a coach and like one of like the league officials, and they told me that my my piss had tested positive. I forget what, what what it was for. And they're like, "Have you put anything into your system?" And I said, "Well, I had a bagel this morning." And they're like, "Was it a poppy seed bagel?" And I'm like, "Yes." And they're like, "Oh, okay, it makes sense." So they made me they made me like drink like this freaking thing that like cleaned out my whole system. 
so they can re-administer another test and I ended up coming back clean. Oh, that's good. I don't know, I, I, my man's out here using HGH and high, yeah, imagine if I don't for... soccer. I'm out of boy. That that is the that is the true Yankee fan in you right there. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but yeah, man, um I think that like I said, we definitely have to give him I think that he definitely does deserve essentially another chance because, again, things like this can make or break an individual. You meaning they can can make them change, or the break part is is it continues on, and this is their career. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, um, he has to kind of just take the steps now. He has yeah. to get, take those steps now where. Not only do his teammates in the clubhouse welcome him back and, you know, each other's apology, but, like, you kind of have to now – public perception is going to be like, oh, man, I like, the, every the, time he, the second – if he does it again, I believe it's, what, a full season suspension? Full season, the third one is a lifetime ban. Yeah, so I – and I think if you do – I think there's – Which it only won't happen once. Yeah, I believe that in the, there's a there's got to be a clause in the contract that if he were to do it a second time, the Padres could probably get out of that. I'm assuming. I don't know. There's probably something in there that allows him to get out of that whole situation. But hopefully that doesn't happen. I guess I I I think that he should be good. Yeah, but uh, Marcus, let's switch gears now. We got to uh, we're taking a trip down to the south. Oh boy, uh, let's you got. I mean, I guess let's go ahead. And, <laughs> I mean, let's go ahead and get the AFC side out of the way with the AFC South. There's not really exactly. Let's just rip. Uh, let's just rip that band. Let's just rip that bandaid off really quick. So, I mean, um, do we have to, bro? I guess the, Can we just like not talk unf- about the Texans and Jags? <laughs> unfortunately, last week we had to talk about the NFC West, which could either be a complete crapshoot or very competitive. Yeah. And I know, obviously, uh, obviously, we did the AFC West last year, or last year, last week, mm-hmm. which is probably the most exciting division on paper. But, you know, when it comes to the good, we got to take some with the bad. Right. And unfortunately, this week, this week, we got to start off with the bad, which is the AFC South, which on paper is the weakest division in football, honestly. And then, obviously, we'll turn the tables, go to the NFC South, which could be probably one of the more intriguing divisions on paper in the NFL this year. That's a fair assessment. You don't make very many fair assessments, but that's a fair assessment. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so let's start off in the AFC South. I think we should start off with the uh, let's start with the defending division champions, the Indianapolis Colts. Okay. Um, obviously, they made the big offseason move to acquire Matt Ryan. Yep. You know, still have a veteran president quarterback. Uh, you got Jonathan Taylor coming into year three, I believe it is. And obviously last year completely lights out. Amazing year. Um, you know, they still have Michael Pittman developing into a pure number one wide receiver on this offense. Um, offensive line could use some tweaks. You got Quentin Nelson, who's also coming into a contract year as well. So you got to keep an eye out for that. Uh, defense, 
their defense is pretty suspect, honestly. The defense can either be hit or miss. They're obviously captained by the great linebacker, Darius Leonard. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, they have a stud kicker, Rodrigo Blankenship. <laughs> yeah, dude. But that, I mean, he definitely started. But after that. Year. I think towards the end of the season, he definitely kind of struggled. Um, he got hurt, right? Yeah. Yeah, he got hurt. Yeah. But um, I think that at the end of the day, I see. Still, I mean, he's still a great kicker. I, I think that, you know, considering the fact that you know when he was, obviously when he was in college, he was the best. He was at when he, before he went to the NFL, he was. Uh, I think he was rated the best kicker in the country. Correct. I believe it was. Yeah. Out of Georgia. Yeah. But um, well, you know what? I actually, I actually mispronounced. It's not Darius Leonard. He actually goes by Shaquille now. He is yeah, actually that's Shaquille true. Leonard. That's true. This year, that's right. I totally forgot about that. But um, I'm looking through their defense. You still have DeForest Buckner, great defensive tackle. Yep. Uh, they signed Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, you have Leonard. Uh, Kenny Moore's a decent corner. They they signed Stephon Gilmore, very underrated signing. I, I still think Stephon Gilmore has elite corner back status attached to him. Uh, Quiddy Pay, you know, very very down rookie year. Hopefully, he brings it back up this year. Yeah. Um, but, um, like I said, this team is, uh, I think this team's going to be very, I want to say gritty. I feel like they're going to be in every game they play just because you have a game breaker running back like Jonathan Taylor. Well, they play, they, they, for their, their schedule, I mean, it's pretty, uh, how do you put it? I mean, it's balanced, but they definitely have the opportunity to to win like twelve games, I mean they pro- obviously they play Houston and Jacksonville twice, so that's that should be four wins for them. Should oh, um, you know what? I made a huge mistake. I said the Colts were the defending champs last year. It's actually the Titans. Yeah, that is actually, my bad. Good lord, dude. Yeah. Holy hell! I totally misspoke. I am sorry about that. <laughs> cut that out. But um, no, I I think that. Uh, I think what you meant to say is that the Colts will be the the, the champions this season. Because I actually I actually do have them winning this division this year. I, I mean they, they, their schedule is very favorable. I mean, like you said, their division uh, Tennessee and Indianapolis usually split, so that's not something to kind of really worry about. Um, however, they do play the AFC West this year. The entire AFC West: they play Kansas City, Denver, the Raiders, and the Chargers. Um, but they board. also play the NFC East, <laughs> so they play obviously Washington, Dallas, Philadelphia, and New York. So I think those could be very interesting games. Yeah, I think the Philadelphia and Dallas games could be swing games. It could go either way. Um, I, I think they'll destroy the Giants. Yeah. Well, they, well, they also they play the Giants week seven. They they play the Giants week seventeen. So depending on okay, so Sam, so Sam Ellinger might be the starting quarterback just to rest Matt Ryan for the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, well, considering Week 17 is they're playing at New York, and then Week 18 is home against the, the Texans. So the last two games. Oh my God! But they they're gonna walk right in. But they they're have, gonna walk right into the playoffs. But they have minute. But they have a Week 14 bye, which that's gonna suck ass. Yeah, so they're gonna have a big. They're gonna have a long time. But they get two bye games in a row. They they play at Houston week one and then at Jacksonville week two. 
So I guess it all kind of just evens itself out. Yeah, so they get they technically get like five preseason games, which works. <laughs> um, but no, I, I um, the schedule is pretty balanced. Like I said, um, they could what's win your outlook? Games. They could win seven games. It all really depends on how this offense clicks. It all depends on how Matt Ryan is. Um, I don't. I, th- I think this is also the first time in his career, by the way, that he has really had like a like a dominant running back. I mean, there's a couple of years where they had like Devontae Freeman, but t- and Tevin Coleman. Yeah, but this but Jonathan Taylor is literally an all-purpose three-down workhorse back, like game breaker. Yeah, like he is he is an absolute legitimate running back and not only that too but Matt Ryan has a legitimate defense and a solid offensive line those things he's never had in Atlanta so we'll see how this works yeah um so for me I'm the Colts schedule I'll pencil them in for 11 wins okay I think 11 wins is a very fair number yeah um I think 11 actually will get them the division title this year, uh, I love their coaching staff. I think Frank Reich is a great uh, coach. You know, uh, you know he helped coach. You know, Nick Foles to win a Super Bowl. He was on the Eagles coaching staff. Um, I love the veteran leadership of Matt Ryan. You know, last, you know, they had Philip Rivers year prior. You know, good veteran quarterback. I think after this last year, they really, Wentz. yeah, and then last year Carson Wentz as well. So you have a good veteran quarterbacks that have been there done that Carson Wentz had a decent year and obviously you know week 17 they collapsed against the Jags <laughs> um but I think after this year the Colts should really start looking at breeding a new young quarterback they should really take a look at the draft process so you can't just keep trading for these veteran guys that maybe have a year or two left in the tank or if you just you got you get tired of the new toy Carson Wentz and you're like I don't want to play with it anymore Go somewhere else. Like they, that they have to really start. I think Matt Ryan, as long as he stays healthy, I think Matt Ryan could probably play three or four years. Yeah, but even then, do you really want to like re-sign him? I mean, well, they're. Not- or would you rather breed a new quarterback? I mean, honestly, if you win eleven, if you win eleven games, yeah, Matt Ryan's going to come back next year because one, you're not going to be able to beat in the quarterback market and in, in the draft because. To me, there's only three. There's three quarterbacks that are are worthy of first round picks as of today, and they're gonna be gone by the time. If you're an 11 win team and you win at least one playoff game, those three quarterbacks are gonna be gone. They're gonna be off the board. Now I'm talking about Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and um, and uh, the SMU quarterback uh, uh, Malachi. I wonder if. Wonder if the Colts would be interested in the Jimmy G market next year. That could be interesting. Um, or Tanner Tanner Mordecai, that's his name. Tanner Mordecai from SMU. Yeah. Those three quarterbacks, they'll be one hundred percent off the board. But like I said, you know, the Jimmy G market could be opening up. Um, obviously, you know, the Jets had a QB scare uh, this past week, but it looks like they have alleviated that situation. Um. But uh, yeah, uh, pencil me in for an eleven-win season for the Indianapolis Colts. And switching gears now, we will be going up to who were 
the division champions last year, the Tennessee Titans, who were the number one overall seed in the AFC last year. Obviously, they got bumped super early in the playoffs, uh, and they they had a they had a lot of subtractions this offseason. They traded AJ Brown to the Philadelphia Eagles, and they released Julio Jones. And this year, they'll be and they ended up going out to go pick up Robert Woods, and they drafted Traylon Burks. Which I think, by the way, that is a that pair. It's a good be, return. That's that's a great return because Julio only played three games last year, like four games. It, or he was essentially good for that. Um, so I feel like that, that was a uh, what you got. You've got another young receiver that they did not have to pay a twenty million dollar per year toward, towards the contract, but like what Philadelphia did for AJ Brown, and you got Robert Woods for literally I think like what a six round pick. Um, they didn't they didn't have to give up anything for him, and, the, and that veteran presence, yeah. and he's coming off of a, a, you know his injury. Um, and obviously Tennessee but, is run first anyways with Eric Henry. Yeah, and Robert Woods is notoriously a good blocking wide receiver, so he slides right in yep. to what they what they um what they're all about. Mm-hmm. Um one of the I would say one of the I, I don't want to say they're they're a stable offensive line. They've had their problems, um, but Till Luan, really good left tackle. Dylan Radness, uh, the right tackle, I like him a lot. Young guy, I think he's a very good. Uh, I think he's a very uh, sustainable offensive lineman uh, for the coming years. Uh, ben Jones, very decent center. Uh, switching to their defense, which to me their defense is their strong suit. So you have Jeffrey Simmons, that guy's a stud. Harold Landry, another stud. Zach Cunningham, very good tackling linebacker. They got Bud Dupree. And I'm going to go out on a limb here, Marcus. I'm going to say that they have, on paper, the best secondary in this division. Caleb Farley, very good uh, young corner from Virginia Tech. They got Roger McCreary, another good young corner rookie from Auburn. Amani Hooker and Kevin Byer. Kevin Byer is one of the best safeties in the, in the game right now. Christian Fulton, good young corner as well. Elijah Molden, another good young corner. Like, I'm looking through their secondary. I'm like, they can have like a very good secondary for the next like six seven years. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you on that at all. It's, I mean, this this season, bro. I mean, again, could be the on the ride or die as far as obviously Derrick Henry goes. And I mean, do you think obviously from how last season went, do you anticipate them to use use him a lot less? Obviously, because of you know the acquisitions of Robert Woods and Traylon Burks, do you think that the, that they'll open the, the passing game up more for Tannehill? Because I feel like, to me, if you take take more of the load off of Derrick Henry, that makes him healthier overall and just better. The, the offense is better overall, and by doing that, they have a better chance of winning. Because comparing the Titans' schedule, looking at now. To the Colts schedule, the Titans have a way harder schedule. Yeah, their schedule is actually crazy, and they have a very early bye week as well. Oh my! I mean, they play just—I mean, going over it. Yeah, they have a nice little cush game week one against the the Giants, but then I mean, they play at Buffalo. Home, they play. They play. I won't say where and when, so like that. Buffalo. They play the Raiders, Colts twice, obviously. Kansas City, Denver, Green Bay. Cincinnati, Philadelphia. That is all in a row. Cincinnati, 
Cincinnati, Denver, Green Bay, or sorry, holy crap, tired. Cincinnati, Denver, <laughs> Green Bay, uh, Philadelphia, Philly, yeah, so they and the Chargers, the city, like all that right there, bro. Brutal. And then they and the fact that they have to play, they have to play eleven straight games because they have a week six bye. And on top of that, too, I mean, they also play the Chargers, and they also play Dallas. Um, they do not get a break. They don't get a break. So I feel like if Tennessee can somehow get to this this uh, schedule and win the division, uh, they'll be in good they'll be in good shape for the playoffs because they play. I mean, they'll play. I mean, Buffalo right now is projected to go to the Super is the reference to the AFC this Super Bowl, but they play one, yeah. two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten possible teams that are ten or uh, potential playoff teams. Ten. Let me ask you uh, this question. So obviously, last year the big issue was not only Derrick Henry getting hurt, yep. but Ryan Tannehill did not play well down the stretch, and he obviously fumbled the bag in the playoffs. Right. Do we do we see Malik Willis this year as a starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans? Good question. And I'll say this. I think that if Ryan Tannehill is out for a time frame where if he's hurt for one of the four games, I will go on record. Not like there's really much of it. If Tannehill's out for more than four games and Malik Harris comes in and, and does what he what many people think he could do, if he plays good. Tannehill will lose his starting job for the season. Sometimes you just got to ride with the hot hand. Sure. I, I know that. Um, I know that in the preseason game he looked really shaky. I mean, you got to give him credit. He is a rookie. Like you, you got to understand. Not everybody is. The same. I never believe in. I never believe in rookies dominating a preseason because those plays are scripted. And those scripted plays are meant obviously help them. You know, this is your first time against a live defense that is not your own defense. Right. And you know, those scripted those scripted plays are to make you look better. Like you know, the, you know, Jalen Hurts against the Jets. You know, Jalen Hurts looked like freaking prime Michael Vick. He, he the first drive he went eight for eight, but like even I could see those play calls were completely scripted. They were there. They were just there to help him kind of ease you know ease himself into game speed and whatnot. Um. I'll say this. Week seven, again, the Tennessee Titans are at home against the Colts. Uh, Malik Willis Willis is the starting quarterback for that game right out of the bye week. Wow. You don't draft a quarterback. Or you don't draft a quarterback in the first two rounds if you don't have the intentions of them becoming your starter. Well, I mean, to be fair, if you're drafted and if you're drafted, or yeah, in the third, but they were super high on him and they were letting him fall. He could have like, and he had first round grades attached to him. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously you have like you know the the outliers of my statement. You have Dak, Russell Wilson. You know, those are just rare finds. Mm-hmm. But like, you just you don't, and, the, and they had they had high stock on him too. You just don't draft a quarterback, place all this hype around him for him to just kind of you know, chill a little bit. We're not in that age anymore where your quarterback sits the whole season. Like, I fully anticipate 
Kenny Pickett will be the the Steelers starting quarterback, you know, some point during this season. Same thing with Malik Willis. And, you know, we can say that about the rest of the rookie quarterback class. I think their patience is running very thin on Ryan Tannehill, even coming into this year. Like last year is not forgotten. They did not forget last year that he just completely fell flat on his face. When you don't have that safety blanket behind you, known as Derrick Henry, he just completely lost it. Yeah, it, that whole. That's just kind of how. That's just kind of how I see it. Yeah, no, I, I saw it too. Um, man. Everything just kind of changed after that that point, man. Um, We'll see, though. We will honestly see. Um, I, I, honestly, bro, I really don't want to touch too much on Jacksonville or Houston just simply because, obviously, I mean, these two teams, you're in, you're out. Obviously, you know, I, when Deshaun Watson was with Houston, they were a playoff contending team, but um, both these teams are projected to be a top five pick next year. Um, you know, obviously, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, and then they got Christian Kirk over in – Jacksonville, they did, um, you know, they're, they, they should, they might get a little better. I don't know. I mean, being under the realm of Doug Peterson over in Jacksonville, we'll see. I think the Jaguars are the third best team in this division, but like being the third best team in the division is being, you know, kind of, you're not like the, you're not the shiniest turd in the toilet bowl. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, they still have a lot of they have a they have a lot of things to kind of work on, man. You know what I mean? I still don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a good NFL quarterback. I mean, it's hard to really say like you're good or you're good quarterback, not good quarterback when you're on the worst team in football. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. That's I mean, I don't know. I just I I I, I didn't see. I mean, I. I like Trevor Lawrence. I think it's. I think he's on the. I'll I'll, I'll I'll reclarify. He's on the wrong team. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, he's on a team that does that doesn't really give a shit. Honestly, if he if you want me to be very honest with you, they don't give a shit. And he's not gonna he's not gonna develop this year because they didn't do anything to help him. Getting Christian Kirk is not going to help you. Having ETN. That might help you because you you already have that bond with him from college. That was a that was a smart pickup. You you pair him up with his his running mate, who whom you won a national championship with. Yeah. But you're not gonna win. You're not gonna win a game with the receiving core of Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, and Evan Ingram, who's only good for like three games. You're not gonna win a lot of football games with yeah. that. Their, Taylor, their their defense. The right tackle was absolutely garbage last year. Yeah, and Brandon Sheriff is like. 75 years old. Um, the only thing I like on this team is their linebacking core. Their linebacking core is very good. Josh Allen, Devin Lloyd, and Trayvon Walker, who they drafted first overall. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, their linebacking core, I'll give them that. Their linebacking core, I think, is, is very talented. Agreed. After that, their defensive line is horrific. Uh, their secondary is nothing to really write home about. Um. Like this defense is going to, they're going to give up a lot of points unless these linebackers can just flat out fly and get to the quarterback, which they can. These are very athletic linebackers. Javon Walker looks very good in his preseason debut. Devin Lloyd was one of my favorite draft prospects coming out this year. Uh, Josh Allen's fantastic at getting to the quarterback. But honestly, dude, looking at after this, like, 
<laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it's it's brutal, man. And again, hard to be a franchise guy to turn things around when the franchise itself doesn't care. Very hard to do that. So, and then um, I don't think you know Trevor we can Lawrence jump over terrible, to. Uh, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is a terrible quarterback. I just think that he's put in a terrible system, and I think that he's a guy that obviously that you know he's ninety nine percent positive he's not resigning with Jacksonville, but uh, you know the, the the second he get he's gone from Jacksonville, his entire career will be revolutionized and rejuvenated. I mean, the dude could go to the Giants and he probably is going to win 10 games. That's just the way it is. Like he's, I think he's got a caliber of that stature to do that. It's just Jacksonville just doesn't care. So, um, yeah, I think that this team's only going to win like four games at the most, man. Yeah, and then um, and then we'll, we can jump really fast into Houston. Um, obviously, Davis Mills coming back for year two. Pretty solid rookie year, if you ask me. I thought he was, I thought he was very good. Yeah. Um, Marlon Mack, if he stays healthy, very good uh, running back. He just obviously has always had a problem staying healthy. Uh-huh. Uh, Brandon Cooks, thousand yard receiver, lock it in always. For some reason, this guy just delivers no matter who the quarterback is. Right. Um, after that, their offense is not really too good. Nico Collins is kind of a sus wide receiver. Chris Conley's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously. You know, fortunately, they lost Don Mechie, who has leukemia. You know, wish him a very speedy recovery. I liked him as a wide receiver coming out this year. Mm-hmm. Larry Tunsil, one of the best left tackles in football, so you get Davis Mills some protection. Uh, they drafted Kenyon Green as a guard, so they're trying to – I like the Texans. They're, I think the Texans really do believe in Davis Mills or else they wouldn't be going out adding, you know, pieces to their offense. Um, their defense, I think, is very bad. <laughs> Uh, except for I, I'm a I'm a Derek Stingley homer. I think he's gonna have a really phenomenal rookie year at the corner position. But after that, Christian Kirksey, decent linebacker. Jerry Hughes, he's pretty old. Um, Malik Collins is a decent defensive tackle. But after that, this defense does not scare me at all. No, yeah, absolutely not. Um, like I said, between Jacksonville and Houston, I think they'll be lucky to win four or five games each. Total <laughs> combined, yeah. I think I honestly, I think I think Jacksonville is going to win like five games. I think Houston's going to be. I think Houston might win five games, but the tiebreaker involved, where I think Jacksonville wins the uh, the third place spot. Not really, like I said. It's you not know, really it's like, like not it's not really like, wow, great job! Like you actually finished third in that division. That's actually pretty good. No, it's it's not. It's 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 actually pretty sad. Yeah, we're not talking about the AFC West where if you finish third, it's because you got eleven wins. Relax. And it's actually kind of impressive that you survived in that division. Um, but uh, but we're gonna move over to a little bit more of an exciting division, the NFC South, which houses the goat himself, Tom Brady, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You have the Carolina Panthers, who God knows what they're trying to accomplish out there. Uh, we have the New Orleans Saints, who have question marks, but you never know that team could explode in a good way. And then we have the um, which we'll call it, um, the Atlanta Falcons, yes, who are in the midst of a rebuild. Um, but we can start off with the defending division champions, and I know I got this one right this time, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
Um, obviously, the Buccaneers, Tom Brady, retired, unretired, came back. Um, basically, everyone's running it back. Mike Evans is there. Godwin's healthy. They signed Julio Jones. Um, Tristan Wirfs, one of the better right tackles in football. Um, obviously, they lost Ryan Jensen for the season at center. Huge loss. Uh, Shaq Mason at guard. Tom Brady's old running mate with the Patriots. Um, but honestly, no matter what else. Yeah, but like honestly, Tom Brady's had some very like shaky offensive lines, and he's always made it work for some godforsaken reason. Um, and then you, you look through their defense; their defense is still pretty good on paper. Uh, Vita Vea, one of the better defensive tackles in football. You still have Devin White and Levante David, probably the best, and Shaq Barrett, probably the best one-two-three combo linebacking uh, core in football. Um, their secondary, their secondary is pretty bad. It always comes out bad, but these guys just kick it up. Uh, signing Keanu Neal, I think that's a very underrated signing. I was a, I'm was, a Keanu Neal fan. I was really pissed off the Cowboys signed him last year when the Jets were involved trying to sign him. Yeah. Um, but honestly, like that's the day. Their safety core is not bad. Logan Ryan and Antoine Winfield Jr., I think, is a very good safety core. Mm-hmm. Um, Carlton Davis, Jamil Dean, Sean Murphy Bunting, uh Three very young corners. Uh, these guys, I think they were all on the Super Bowl team that won uh, as well. So they have the experience. Um, they just they, These guys just seem to just kick up. Um, they signed Carl Nassib, who had played very well on the Todd Bulls. He's back um, in Tampa Bay. And then uh, their, rookie, uh, their rookie from uh, last year, Joe Tryon Shoinka, I think is his name. Yep. Um, he is replacing... Uh, uh, oh God! And Dominican Sue? No, not Dom. Hold on, clicking in my head, clicking in my head, clicking in my head. Uh, we were in line when my son's two. Four fingers. Jason Pierre-Paul. Oh, Jason Pierre-Paul. Yes, yes. Sorry about that. <laughs> Holy <laughs> crap! Sorry about that. Really bad. But anyways, um, yes, he so he's actually going to be starting in his place this season. So um, defense got a little bit younger on that side. Um, also, Rob Gronkowski retired. Um, and obviously, being down here in the Tampa area, um, vibes were still pretty high of it being, you know, this is Brady's last year. This is Super Bowl or bust with the boys down here in the 727. I mean, when he bring in this roster, yeah. And on top of that, man, I mean, this, I'm going to tell you right now, this schedule is probably the hardest schedule in all, like the hardest home schedule of any team in, in the National Football League. That is my opinion on that. I mean, you kind of you kind of have to because, like, when you have, like, this type of a roster, it has to be showcased to a national audience. So you're going to have to put this big-time roster against the elite of the NFL. So that, that doesn't shock me. Like, you know, like 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 the Buffalo Bills, every year they gradually got better, and every year they started plugging in, like, random opponents for them to face to see how well they really are. And now this year the Buffalo Bills have, like, basically all the good AFC teams they have to face, and it's all in prime time. Same with Tampa Bay. Like, they play their home schedule – is Green Bay, Kansas City, Atlanta, Baltimore, the Rams, Seattle, obviously Saints, uh, and Cincinnati, Carolina. 
So like, yeah. yes. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm probably going to And they'll I'm still win. They'll still win 12 to 13 games. Oh yeah. I'm probably going to go to that Rams game. I was thinking about going to the Kansas City game. I don't know if I will or not. We'll see. But I think I'm definitely going to I think go that's the, the last. I feel like that would be like the last time we'll see Mahomes versus the GOAT. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It's Sunday night. Football, I would probably, it's I, Sunday night football would, on, the, on October 2nd. So I'd probably go to that game. Uh, but I mean, Sunday, November sixth, the weather will be better, a lot better to watch of the Rams versus uh, Bucks. So we'll see. But either way, man, um, the schedule overall is pretty brutal. They start Week One in Dallas. Uh, obviously, last year it's the same thing that happens to them. I think it should be a really solid game on both ends. Tampa's probably going to win that one. I mean, Dallas could get a revenge for it. We'll see. It could flip up a coin. And then, obviously, week two, they're at New Orleans. But then, I mean, that's, their schedule is just brutal. They only have a couple of, like, cush games. They got Seattle week 10 before they're, they're buying week 11. Then they got then the twelve the week 12, they're at Cleveland. So, that's probably their only big break that they have. And then their last two games is home against Carolina and then at Atlanta. So depending on how their schedule goes, they might be able to rest their starters before the playoffs. But, I mean, this team's definitely yeah. poised to win 12 or 13 games. This is your last run. Tampa fans rejoice. Or soak, soak it in because once Brady leaves, you guys are going back to back to reality. This team's going to Yeah, I'm not saying they're – they were very close to it this past season. Um, but like I said, we'll see. I think they're, I think I agree with you at 12 to 13. I think they'll be, I, um, I guess after we do all like our team predictions, we can run through who's going to win what, who's going to the NFC title game, yada, yada, yada. But, um, spoiler, they'll be, um, sniffing the NFC title game. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but I'm going to move – we're going to move uh, a little bit towards the west part of this NFC South. We're going to go down to the Bayou. Shout out to Drew. Uh, we're going to talk about the – we're going to be talking about the New Orleans Saints. Uh, definitely one of the more intriguing teams this year. They made some pretty solid offseason acquisitions, getting Jarvis Landry and Tyra Matthew and Marcus May. Uh, you know, Tyra Matthew and uh, Jarvis, you know, LSU connection there. Uh, on paper, this team is still really good. Uh, I'm a Jameis Winston guy, FSU, you know, 850 till we die. Uh, Alvin Kamara, one of the top five running backs in football. Michael Thomas is returning this year, prime, you know, wide receiver one. Looks phenomenal in camp. As we said, Jarvis Landry, uh, first round pick, Crystal Lave seems to be the guy that in the slot. Uh, their offensive line, uh, their offensive line, hit or miss. Ryan Ramchick, one of the better tackles in the game. Cesar Ruiz, Eric McCoy, Andres P will be in the trenches in the middle there. And the left tackle position is a battle between James Hurst and rookie Trevor Penning, who seems Trevor to pick a Penning fight. Is taking that shit. Seems to, there is, there is no hell yeah, he's he's fighting everybody. <laughs> there is no there is no battle. Trevor Penning has won that shit. There is no battle. I, I, you. 
That guy, if no one had heard, he got into fights three straight days at camp. The third day, they sent him home. Yeah, they're like, look, man, you can't keep doing this. And they're like, but he's a dog. I'm a fan. Um, 100%. I'm, I, I, this is actually, um, just for all the listeners to know, this is actually my favorite team in the NFC if the Jets. You know, the, the Saints were always, the Saints always kept my football self-esteem leveled out because they would always be good. So when the Jets would lose at 1 o'clock and I'd be throwing a fit, the Saints would probably be winning at 4 o'clock. So it kind of evens out my day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if you look at their defense, if you look at their defense, their defense on paper, very good. Ken Jordan, David Onyemata, Marcus Davenport, Pete Renner, Demario Davis, uh, Marcus May, Tyler Matthew, Marshawn Lattimore, P.J. Williams, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Bradley Roby. Um, they signed Daniel Sorensen, who's a pretty hard-hitting safety, if you guys remember him from the um, Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, Marcus, this is definitely a – I would pencil them in to definitely take one of the NFC wildcard spots. I think so too, man. I, I really do. I think they're going to the playoffs. I think Winston can have a Pro Bowl caliber type season, honestly. This is a – on paper, I would say they're 10 wins – Sniffing 11, it wouldn't shock me if they got to 12, but I'm going to maybe cap that at 11. I mean, dude, they've got a – holy shit. From week 6 to week 13, Cincinnati, Arizona, Raiders, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Rams, Niners, Tampa. Yeah, I mean – Oh, my God. Uh, they, have a, I mean, they have a week. I mean, I, I think – I think Baltimore, they can smack him around for a little bit. But also, too, man, you had mentioned Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is still projected to be suspended. They're still pending this trial that he's having. Um, but league sources around have a very, very uh, good speculation that he's going to be suspended. So I'm not really sure when that's going to happen or how long it's going to happen. Nothing's really came up. Oh, I better hurry up because uh, we're less than three weeks away from the season. <laughs> you know, they, they believe that Alvin Kamara will, will be playing week one. They're, they said that they Well, that's not fair. Well, Suspending said, him midway through the season, especially if they're going to playoff run. Uh, I believe that the trial got pushed back to September, to the end of September. I believe so. I had to look. I had to look that up. Let me see real quick. Alvin Kamara, looking this up real quick. Um, more and more unlikely Alvin Kamara will be suspended in 2022. Really? This came from Field Yates um, th- at 8.30 in the morning, obviously, uh, on August 15th. So earlier today. Um, yeah, the... the the new court date is scheduled for September 29th um, and is unlikely a resolution will be reached by then. So they're saying there's a damn, there's a possibility that he may be suspended in 2023 for something that happened like eight months ago. Wow. That's crazy to think of, but that's ridiculous, on. honestly. But, um, but yeah, no, um, uh, I, I mean, if I'm looking to that six, week six through week thirteen, um, very good chance of beating, very good chance of beating Cincinnati because in New Orleans, 
Um, I'm not really too sold on Arizona. Um, Las Vegas can probably come in and win well, because I mean, to the, be fair, that is the it's first not, game. It's that, not terrible. That Arizona, no, that Arizona game is the first game DeAndre Hopkins comes back. I thought it was eight games that he's out. Six games. It's six. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but you know, but you know, the thing is though, it's it's a short week too. It's a Thursday night game, so I may don't really expect a full DeAndre Hopkins on a short week. Well, I mean, it's not really short if he hasn't played in six weeks. Like he should be rested. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, but you also got to get caught. You got to get the game speed and everything too. I'm not really. Oh yeah, well I'm, too I'm sold on all that. Kyler to throw it to him like 28 times. Like I ha- I missed you. I missed you, D Hop. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Here you go. Here's thirty. Here's thirty passes to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, that team. I think that team is a, is definitely a dark horse to compete in the NFC. Man, low to top to bottom. Um, everything obviously. This train runs through Jameis. If Jameis comes out here and fires them all cylinders, this team could be very dangerous. If Jameis comes out here and struggles like he has in the past, this team may not win six. This team may win six games. Honestly. Which would be very disappointing because this team on paper is very talented. Yes. If this team comes out here and does what they're supposed to do, they they can win a lot of games. But if Jameis Winston does not do this, I just realized that Andy Dalton is their backup. Did you? Know and don't that? forget, dude, they don't have. Yeah, and Ian Book is their third string. I'm telling you right now, with the, they signed Andy Dalton because if Jameis screws up, Andy Dalton will come in. And Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton still has something to prove, man. I think he can come in there and do his thing. He, he can. He's, he's a very liable player that all he has to do is, I mean, he has all the pieces that he would need, and Jameis may not ever come back in the rest of the season if that were to come about. So, but like I said, I'm, uh, that'll be that'll be a big shame because, like I said, this team is very talented on paper. And then um, the second string for tight end is Taysom Hill. So, God, here's the gadget player. I don't know what I don't even know what they call him, what they use him for, or anything like that. But I mean, the hey, Swift Army knife. I mean, he's getting paid a lot. You know what I mean? Very true. Um, but let's um, – so we're done with the Saints there. Let's go to the team that – I don't want to say intriguing, but they have a lot of question marks that need answering fast. Uh-huh. And that is the Carolina Panthers. The Carolina Panthers have two quarterbacks that are drafted in the same class, each in the top five. Baker Mayfield obviously going first overall. Donald went fourth. Um Baker Mayfield is obviously opening up as the Carolina Panthers starting quarterback as of now. Christian McCaffrey coming back from another season in the injury. Yeah. They still have Chuba Hubbard right behind him, who's another, I think, a very good running back. Uh, receiving core, I think one of the most underrated receiving cores in the NFL. DJ Moore, very good. Robbie Anderson, solid. Terrence Marford Jr., another good um, wide receiver. Tommy Tremble, very decent uh, tight end coming in this year. Um, you know, he's their number one, had a had okay, you know, numbers last year. Uh, Iti Akamu, they drafted him. Solid left tackle, so you got your quarterback protection right there. Pat Eflin, 
uh, Taylor Morton as well. So they have their their both their tackles are phenomenal. I'll give them that too. And Bradley Bozeman, they're actually looking at a very good offensive line. So their quarterback's protected. Uh, you go down to their defense. Defense very hit or miss. Uh, Brian Burns, one of the best edge rushers in the game. Uh, Derek Brown, Matt Ioannidis, Yatsir Grossmatos finish out the defensive line. Um, linebacking core, it's really Shaq Thompson after that. Not really much to write home about. Uh, secondary, another hit or miss secondary. Dante Jackson and C.J. Henderson, Jeremy Chin, Xavier Woods, and J.C. Horn fill out the secondary. Um, Marcus, so looking at this team, I think I think this is going to be one of those teams that's sniffing 500 the whole year. I will put them at – I think they will finish the year with seven wins. That's pretty fair. I was thinking more of the between six and eight. There's, there's a lot of uncertainty with this team. Um, and also it's a quarterback. Oh my God. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of holes that need to be filled. Um, a lot of question marks, especially surrounding the, the um, longevity. Christian McCaffrey, you know, CMC was linked to uh, trade rumors for Deshaun Watson last year. So obviously it didn't happen. That would have blown up in their face. <laughs> Granted, all the that Watts, everything's going on with Watson right now. That would have blown up in the Panthers' face. Yeah, um, I think that uh, this team. I mean, we're, I don't know. I think you had mentioned too, man. Um, do you do you think that there is a split in the season as far as the the um, who starts, how many games, or do you think I, this is the Baker show? I think Baker starts it off, struggles. They get Darnold to go in there. Darnold maybe has a game or two, struggles. Baker comes back in. And I, I think they're going to flip-flop so much this year, and it's not it's not going to be good. And this team is going to carry three quarterbacks. Like normally on, an op- on a game day roster, you're only really carrying two. They're going to carry three. I think Matt Corral, I think for some for godforsaken reason, this team, some way, shape, or form, Matt Corral will start one of one game this year. And it's going to be one of those back-end games. Darnold, we know, can't stay healthy. Uh, Baker, you know, Baker's hit or miss. Baker has his games, and then he has bad games. And I think it was last year. We have – I think it was last year Facebook did this thing with – um the cycle of Baker where shuts up haters, plays game, struggles, haters return, and it's just one never-ending cycle. There's no consistency with Baker Mayfield. And that's a huge issue, especially since, you know, the Cleveland Browns, they went all in with him. They gave him everything. They had two running backs, two tight ends, three wide receivers, a top five offensive line, and the Browns ended up losing to um, Chad Henney and the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs. Like, that, that's a problem. Yeah, it really is. Um, I still remember, too, that they, they believe that they have P.J. Walker. Remember the guy that, was, that as a four-string quarterback? I mean, obviously he probably would be cut, but his 
phenomenal season he had with the XFL that one year. But yeah, I think like I said, I they they drafted Matt Corral for a reason because they're gonna they all they might give. I mean, who knows? Baker might flourish in the system, man. Baker might do a lot. Baker might. I mean, he could. He could save Matt Rule's job. You never know. The thing is, man, is I don't rule Baker out because the fact of the matter is, is he went to Cleveland, and that team was a dumpster fire. He went to that franchise, and they went to the playoffs, which like the Browns fans haven't seen in so long. And not only that, but they won a playoff game. They, they yeah. won playoff games, and they just, they just, I mean. They just shit on that man. And then, you know, he, and then obviously last year he played through like a torn labrum, I believe it was. Couldn't even throw the ball really and still tried to, you know, make Cleveland in a competitive environment. He did his best with what he could, and everybody's like, get rid of him. He's not accurate. Get rid of him. He's this. It's like, well, the, the, the dude has a, his shoulder's done. Like he has, he had a legitimate brace on his shoulder. You could see it. And still try to play as hard as he could, so I think that, I mean, Carolina could, you know, depending on how the schedule goes and depending on how the season goes, who knows what happens? They could win eight games, they could win nine games. I don't think they'll go double digits, but I mean, like you said, they could save Matt Rule's job. Yeah, and you know, obviously Matt Rule's probably one of the coaches that's in the hot seat the minute. You know, the minute the season kicks off this year. Sure. But um, last but not least, bro, um, we'll talk about the rebuilding Atlanta Falcons. It's not really a whole lot to discuss. I mean, they they signed Marcus Mariota, obviously, to replace Matt Ryan. He is a starter. Um, they drafted Desmond Ritter from from that awesome Cincinnati team that made the college football playoff. Um, so far, I mean, he it, there's not really there's no quarterback competition right now. I mean, Desmond Ritter could be the future. Marcus Mariota could just absolutely re- – he could be someone that they thought they were in a rebuild program and then Mariota could come through and just do his thing. We'll see. Nobody really knows. You know what I mean? Every system's different. Um, uh, they drafted Drake London. Uh, Calvin Ridley is out this season for um, gambling fifteen hundred dollars. Still doesn't make sense to me. Stupid. Um, still having a game that he wasn't directly affected by. Yeah. Um, and then obviously they still have Kyle Pitts, uh, Cordero Patterson. So their offense is not terrible. Uh, their O line is definitely a little older. Uh, needs some help, big time. The defense is not that great. That's the thing. Let's be honest. This is the worst. This is the worst receiving core in the foot in the league. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, There's no way in hell that Brian Edwards is a number two receiver on any other football team in the NFL. Now, obviously, when Calvin Ridley comes back, you know Calvin Ridley and Drake London. This team that becomes one of the best. Calvin, <laughs> Ridley, Drake London and Kyle Pitts, like you have three legitimate targets. You know what I mean? Yeah, that becomes one of the better um, receiving cores in the league. Um, their defense is also just really – I mean, A.J. Terrell had a really great year. He was an all-pro last year. Uh-huh. Uh, Deion Jones Deion Jones seems to have, you know, hit the ceiling and kind of bring – coming back down to – actually, he may not even be on the team. I mean, there's 
he's been surrounded by trade rumors. Grady Jarrett, one of the best defensive ends in football. Um, Rashawn Evans, pretty decent linebacker. I mean, after that, this is this team wouldn't shock. I w- it would not shock me if this team is picking first overall. I, I think the Bears and they really take have that it, one. I think the Bears are going to take that by a long shot, but that's just my opinion. But whenever we talk about that, Bears are atrocious. But um, I, I think. I think Atlanta could probably be in that five to seven game realm. I don't see really a whole lot going on here. Like I said, that they are kind of in a rebuild environment, unless something just magically clicks. And I mean, anything's possible, but I don't see, I don't foresee it happening with this team. Yeah, like I said, this. My, one of my best friends, Dave Bridges, huge Falcons fan. Um, he he's one of those that he'll find a way to defend these guys till you know the day he's six feet under. But like, there's not much defending here. Like, the best player on your team is Kyle Pitts. It's not a bad thing, but um, I think Desmond Ritter. He's Desmond Ritter's going to start probably midway through the season. I think he's going to take Marcus Mariota's job. Uh, Cordell Patterson, I think, is a one year wonder. Really? Yeah, I mean, shout out to him. You know, he helped my team win a fantasy league uh, when Derrick Henry went down. Um, I don't know. I just see him as a one-year wonder. I like Damian Williams a little bit better uh, as a pure running back. Uh, offensive line, Jake, Ma- Jake Matthews, one of the more consistent left tackles in the league. Uh, Chris Lidstrom, good good right guard. But, yeah, you're right. Like, very aging offensive line. Um there's really like like you know how you want to skip over the Texans and the and the Jaguars. This is how I feel about the Falcons. There's really not much to write about. This team's going to be picking in the top five this year. Um, I think they may have the worst record in football this year, or one of. So I say hypothetical. They have the worst. They have the number one pick next year. Do they take a quarterback? Even though they just took Desmond Ritter, which is going to be very difficult because you have. CJ Stroud and Bryce Young coming out, and if I were them, if I pick, if I have the first overall pick, I'm gonna dangle that out there, and I'm gonna get a king's ransom of draft picks in return, and we're gonna start building this thing all the way back up. Because I, I feel like, I feel like Desmond. I think Ritter Desmond Ritter. I think Desmond Ritter's gonna be. He's gonna be a good NFL quarterback. I think he. I think he was. I think him and Kenny Pickett were the two most pro-ready guys, in my opinion, to come out and just they can slide into a starting role and they may have some moderate success early on. I like I I think I said I think Desmond Ritter, at least by like maybe week seven, week eight, I think he's gonna be end up he's gonna start. And imagine, dude, they just this is just a one year of growing pains because if they decide not to trade Calvin Ridley, you'll have Calvin Ridley, like you said, Ridley, Drake London, Kyle Pitts. Maybe next year they go out and sign a very good slot receiver. Right there, you got four targets. You go get a running back. You start repairing that offensive line. Bang, bang, boom. Your offense could be one of the better ones on paper. I agree. I agree. So it could be a tank year for the Falcons just for that simple fact of you got to take one for the team. You got to get a high draft pick for other people to trade up and get a franchise quarterback. Because there's, there are going to be teams that 
you know, have aging quarterbacks that could be looking to trade up to get that guy. Minnesota, Tampa Bay, the Giants could be out there. Obviously, Daniel Jones, we're not really sure what's going on with them. The Washington Commanders, we're not really sure what's going on with Carson Wentz. We'll see how that goes. Obviously, the Texans. Uh, oh, man. I mean, Detroit could be there. They could be looking to get rid of Jared Goff. But we'll see, man. I think the quarterback market opens up immensely next season after after this off this next off season. So, yeah. But um, all right, guys. Uh, I think we're gonna go definitely cut this one off about hour and fifteen minute episode here. Um, actually, almost midnight our time. So, uh, Dan, thanks for being flexible and letting us do this super late. Yeah, no, of course. Um, like I said, I love talking sports. So, you know, any time of the day, if you guys ever want to come and just talk sports with me, you know, just let me know. We'll be ready. <laughs> um, obviously, again, so on Wednesday. Yep. Uh, yeah, obviously, thank you guys for listening to this episode. Uh, this will be available tomorrow morning or actually in four minutes or so. Um, <laughs> Tuesday, yeah. <laughs> so, but um, it will be available on Spotify. And then, obviously, uh, Wednesday we will do our, our fantasy football recording. Uh, that will be available on Thursday. So, um, yeah, just uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you all see y'all later. Yep, and on Wednesday, just prepare because Wednesday's a big one. Quarterbacks and running backs. Ooh-hoo. The core, Let's the absolute play. core of winning your fantasy league. We'll give you all the tips and tricks Wednesday night. Yep, absolutely. See you guys later. See ya.